Hello and welcome once again to Motor Cult, episode 11. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by Ryan Sinisky. Hello. Hello there. So, this is going to be, unfortunately, a shorter than typical episode, but we'll still try to get as much as we can in with you guys. Implying people want me to talk into their ear for an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, it's just, it's like cocoa butter. (laughs) Liquid cocoa butter into an eardrum. Preferably a perforated one, so it goes into your brain and gets you toxoplasmosis or something <laughs> anyway um the beer topic i'll just lightly touch on it we're still drinking because yep, um, this is the same one. day because yep. i'm out of town next week yes um it's Boom still Island delicious it is still delicious we, we don't still have a it. cap to crack for you to make that awesome noise but i can give you the we'll twist oh <laughs> ow that was too much gain <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> worth it <laughs> you need to edit that out that i'm was not terrible. doing that <laughs> <laughs> That's stinging. Anyway, same beer. We, delicious. Please tell me that we're going to at least lower the volume so I don't blow out everybody's um, speakers. Nah, we'll part. leave it in. They, they can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. I will figure out the audio someday, but it's tough. We listen to it through a mixer, and then I listen to it through an audio recorder, and it's just... It's and a, Corey just plays his video games even though he's the He's sound a sound engineer, engineer but he's he is just terrible. the shittiest sound engineer ever, <laughs> i got to say. He's not even doing any work over there. If you would like to sub- <sighs> submit an application to do sound mixing, please send your application to... to 14529 West Davensworth Street in Central London. Attention, Top Gear UK. Yes, that. All right. So, uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, I want to yes. talk about the first topic, which is Ford... Yes. has decided to can all of its car models except mm. for two. You see, uh, Ford really looks up to Mitsubishi, apparently. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, just, wow, that seemed like a really great idea. I wonder wow, if I can do that, too. super well. You know what Ford we did? This is a hold my beer moment. Yeah. Watch is, this. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. They were a perfectly successful car company selling cars that were actually sought after, and now they're not. Oh, my God. I just, I, the thing, just when I started to like all of the car products that Ford was making, yeah, they like, yanked literally all of the good ones except for arguably the Mustang. I well, mean, they, they got rid of their, they did the same thing kind of, uh, that, talk into the microphone for God's sorry, sake. Sorry. They did the same thing that, um, that Cadillac did where they just kind of canned somebody that was like basically. Oh, yeah. We talked about that two weeks ago. Um, now. Jonathan Woolley, he's the editor of S3 Magazine. I, I, what is S3 Magazine? There, it's a uh, performance magazine okay. uh, for cars. Hmm. So um, they do more like, you know, like sport compact stuff and some truck stuff. They're kind of <laughs> weird. They're from Georgia, so you can see how they're Oh, those two LTM, together. great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, not, not necessarily LTM. But anyway, I wrote, I, I, wrote, I wrote an article for them that is in this month's episode. Um, and Jonathan Woolley actually... I uh, commented on Facebook on my status about this saying, I said, Ford, I really want to like you, but you keep making stupid, de- stupid decisions and make right. me hate you. Stop it. Uh, Jonathan Wooling, he said this, I'm going to read it word for word, verbatim what he said, because sure. this is a really good He probably uh, says it better than we said. could. Yeah, no, he's, he's really good at it. Um, here's the thing with Ford. It's brand perception. People perceive Ford as a brand as being excited, exciting, innovative, and performance-driven. When they have spirited cars like the Mustang, the Focus RS, and the Focus STs, Fiesta STs, out here on the streets. Mustang and ST guys buy F-150s or Explorers or Escapes, so it's kind of time for a second car for the family. And they recommend them to all their family and friends about, who ask about new cars. I bought a Fiesta ST because I believed in what Ford was doing and the moves they were making. I wanted to be part of it, and I support the brand. For the same reason, we, deci- we dedicated a section of our magazine each month to Ford's. 
Ford's got to look at the dollars, sure. But when you only look at the dollars, it's short-sighted. Porsche did not cut the 911 because the KN and the Macan, the Macan, Macan, outsell it. It's a Porsche Macan. End quote. That is the perfect description. Is a Ford. They, it's very short-sighted. It's very, very short-sighted. And that's exactly what Mitsubishi did. Um, oh, for God's sake. Mitsubishi, yeah. 10 years ago, made this literally the same mistake. They cut all of their not-great-selling models because... You mean all the interesting stuff that they made? It was short-sighted. Because they're like, oh, electric cars are the future. We'll throw them the of, And also, everybody buys SUVs. We're only going to go with SUVs. So then they were stuck with an electric car that nobody fucking wanted because it was an electric... K car made for the Japanese market, not for the American market with a super <laughs> tiny range. And they were stuck with a bunch of SUVs that weren't performance oriented. So yeah, you have the great second car for your family, but you know who else makes great second cars for their family? Every other fucking manufacturer say, on earth. So hard to buy so a shit car these days. How are you going to stand out with that? You're not. Because nobody's in. If you're making everybody, a slightly cheaper, boring product, nobody's going to buy your car. Every single manufacturer has a car that gets a five star crash test rating, and every single manufacturer makes a car with driver assistance. So Great. you cannot sell off of that. Thanks, Doug DeMuro. You're not going to sell off of the interior because Ford interiors kind of suck because they're cramped. And they look, they look aesthetically pleasing, yeah, but they suck to be in. And nobody on test drive has ever said, wow, this Ford is a great interior. They all go, God, I like this Ford, except this interior kind of sucks. So you can't sell off that. What you're going to sell off of is the brand image. Unique, too. You're going to sell off the picture of the Fiesta ST, the Focus yep. ST, the Focus RS, and the Mustangs, and all their other cool stuff, the GTs and stuff that you see hanging on the walls. Yeah. Audi doesn't make a bunch of money selling S cars, right. but Audi brings in everybody because everybody has the illusion of the S car. Right. That's why the Ford Fiesta sold relatively well for the size of the vehicle because the Ford, uh, the Ford Fiesta had the Fiesta ST. Everybody right. said, this is the greatest handling car. Then you have some car enthusiasts that says, this is a great handling car. They tell their well, the friend. Thing is, it was a new car that was attainable. Yeah. That they was said, actually they, great. They tell their friend that this is a great car. And right. that person, instead of buying right. a That's how operate. It's word buying, of mouth. Instead of buying yeah. a Fit or a Mirage, they buy that. Right. And that is exactly what Ford has done. They've shot themselves in the foot. And you know, I love Ford. They're the closest thing to a good American manufacturer, as we said previously on our podcast. But unfortunately, they're going to be dead and gone in 15 years unless they reverse this stupid decision. I and agree. the worst thing about this, immediately the first thing that happened, their stock prices went up. That's the worst part about it. Their stock prices went up. Their sales are going to tank in five to ten years, and people forget about the cool cars they make. Well, when the crossover fad is over, they're going to have nothing to fall back on in this segment. Yeah, that is absolutely true. And And that is assuming that the crossover phase will die out, and it it will. It will. Because it's a cycle. It is. People, they blindside by this kind of crap. But, like, the thing that really irks me on this story is the two lines of car that they decided to retain. Yes. One, I get it, Mustang. Makes it's an sense. iconic car. You got to keep it. The other one is a Ford Focus crossover. Which so is, that's that's like it's like a C Max. It's just like a lifted, bloated Focus. Like so, why basically, the hell... they put all of their stock into the Subaru Crosstrek equivalent. No, because they have that. That's an Escape. Well, no, the Crosstrek is a lifted up Impreza. I understand the mentality behind it, but but they already have they have like they have two of the same segment things. It's, one of them is a car, which shouldn't exist, and the other one is a crossover that shouldn't well, exist. My, my thing is, X the Fusion. I get it. It's a mid-sized sedan. Nobody's buying them. Right now, I agree. That makes sense. You can always bring it back. However, 
small hatchback. Are you going to buy a crossover for living in the city and Hell parking no. in tiny spots? Are you going to buy a crossover for going on road trips? No. No. You, the crossover is for the person that drives from here in Chanhassen to South Minneapolis. Yeah, the person made out of vanilla paste. The person that is made out of vanilla paste and drives 20 minutes to work. That's what that's people. for. Well, yes. Let's that go is, get dinner at Applebee's with our two and a half children. Yeah, and while that is the majority of America, those people also... Did I mention that I hate the majority of America? Yeah, it's true, but that's the thing. is Those are also the people that don't do any research themselves. Oh, Corey has just handed me an Applebee's gift card. Um, apparently, we have turned into vanilla paste. Yeah, exactly. That but th- those are... These, these are the people that don't do any research themselves to look at like how your God. car is going to stand out. It's just it's just ridiculous. Oh, um, I just it's such a stupid decision. It it really is because I mean, I've never seen a. It's kind of why I make fun of Ford a lot because they they go well, zero to one hundred all the time. Company. But the thing is, the other thing is, they go zero to one hundred all the time. Is like they'll make a bunch of amazing cars and they'll go to making. Oh look, pure yeah, look shit. at the last four years. I mean, they brought us the Focus ST, the Focus RS, the Fiesta ST, the GT350, the GT500, the Mustang GT revision with the SN650, just the a Raptor. bunch of cool shit. Yeah. yeah, the Raptor, the Bronco coming back. I like, know, but like, all these cool things. But like the Fusion Sport, even like that is super rad. It's a Fusion with the two seven EcoBoost V6. The thing's got like three hundred horsepower. What what they did? What we're what, we're, what we are experiencing. Is the same mindset where Buick? What we're Buick experiencing is happen. a publicly traded company yes. being directed by people who have no idea what the hell is going to happen in five to ten years. Precisely, that is it, and that's the thing. Well, they're just looking at trends; they're not looking at the larger picture. So, another example of and something like this that's, happening. That's how it works. Yeah, another example of this having happened was, you know, the Buick Riata. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, that, that <laughs> I was did love that CRT multi information display. That was a cool car. Did you know that that car was going to be rear-wheel drive and turbocharged? It was going to have the exact same drivetrain as the GNX until an 11th hour decision. What the hell? In the last six months, they decided to make it front-wheel drive. So it has the most awkward front overhang proportion ever? Yes. Okay. That is exactly why. It was going to be rear-wheel drive its entire life until the last six months at a last-minute decision. Now, they made that decision... At the same time that Mazda made the decision to either make the Miata rear-wheel drive or don't make the Miata at all. Yeah. Because the Miata was about to be front-wheel drive. <laughs> and look how, those, look how those turned out. You made the one that at least pandered to enthusiasts with the way, the way its drivetrain is laid They're out. They're just not volume vehicles. But that's the thing. They don't have to be. And it doesn't have to be. Because the Miata, like Apple the Miata the is what kept the... Mazda brand alive at all in the 90s. Yeah. Because nobody was buying their cars. They sold really well. And that's the only thing that brought them in the dealerships. That just makes me nostalgic for this computer that I have. Apple discontinued the 17-inch MacBook Pro in 2011. Yeah. It was a completely profitable model line. They discontinued it because they said no one was buying it, even though every single pro consumer that did mobile video editing and audio stuff bought them. Yeah. And you know what? When this computer dies, I'm not buying another Apple. I'm buying a 17-inch PC laptop. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's just like with Ford. I'm like, oh, well, you no longer sell the vehicle that I might buy. So I'm just going to go to another make you know, there might and be buy a, it there. There might be a day where like something happens and I get very boring. And I actually, no, this happened. I did buy a minivan. It's and a EY manual bought, Mazda 5. I bought a Mazda 5. And it's got a manual. You know why I bought it's that? It's not boring. You know why I even 
thought about that car. Because it's amazing and rare. Because I thought about a Mazda Speed 3. And I'm like, wait, this has the same drivetrain as that. Sort of. Sort of. It's got, you can bolt it in. Same platform. Same platform. And that's why I went, oh, why don't I buy that? Because you know what I was about to buy? What? I was about to buy a Subaru Baja. And I bought this car because, well, no, I bought this car because there was an interesting model that drew my eye to the not interesting car that ended up actually being my favorite car that I own. And that's the thing is I was going to buy the Subaru Baja because I thought of the WRX and this Baja frankly sucked, but it does suck. But then it's a horrible car. But then I saw the Mazda five and I'm like the Mazda five Mazda five does not suck. Not a horrible. No, not a horrible car. And again, it's another thing where I normally would not have bought that vehicle if it wasn't for the good vehicle that should have been discontinued because it was stupid. I, I operate differently. I gravitate straight toward the model that's interesting. Well, I'm looking for a daily a Mazda dra- dealer. Like yeah. when, when your van came out initially, I was like, what? That's like the only Mazda I knew about. Well, that, that's the thing is that I didn't even, I, for the longest time in my life, I didn't know they were manual. I found out they were manual and I found out oh, it's got all the same stuff as the Mazda Speed 3, and then light bulbs start going off in my head. So, anyway, that's just Ford. They suck. They're terrible. Let's move on. I'm depressed yeah, now. I am depressed. Let's talk about the most glorious topic. Which is? North Korea. Peace and progress. We talked a little bit about leader. this in episode yes. 10. Our I, dear leader, we need to talk about... We mentioned... Um, we touched on it. Yes, we mentioned what they would do about their VIN code. Mm-hmm. Um, every country has their VIN code. Yep. Japan is J. America's numbers one. Uh, we are one. Germany's W. Mexico is three. Mm-hmm. Um, That's correct. Uh, My Fiat 500 Switzerland is, is Z. Um, Great. <laughs> God, this is obscure. But uh, we, I did do a little bit of research. I found out that actually the country of origin mm-hmm. is actually the first two letters. So on a, oh, okay. On a it's, Japanese it's country made, and then region? Yes. So, well, country and then plant. So... All we'll right. just use a, a 92 Honda Accord made in Japan. You talk about example. this topic, I'll be right back. I have to pee. Okay. And do not talk that. about pre-war cars. I will I'm not gone. talk about pre-war cars. Okay, good. So on the 92 Honda Accord, the VIN was, if it was made in Japan, was JHMCB7. On a North, that, that means Japanese Honda and then the plant, CB7. Um, in North Korea... It would. They actually have pre-designated VIN layouts for countries that don't produce cars already. So North Korea would either be in S or in, and then a number um, for that. So that's how that would work. Um, I could have sworn that N was taken, but I guess I was wrong. Um, you know. But the thing is, actually, with these cars, um, VINs having this fourteen, I think, digit layout has only come across in the last, you know, 26 years or so. Um, back in the day, VINs were actually just a whole ragtag. Like, if you were to buy a Delahaye, which was a uh, coach-built vehicle made prior to World War II, they, were, uh, they would have a three-digit VIN, because oh, Delahaye God only made it. three cars. Are you talking about pre-war? <laughs> I fell into it. I'm sorry. How, okay, explain to me how you fell from North Korean VIN designations into pre-war cars. I was explaining how VIN designations have changed oh, over the years. I was talking about how Delahaye used the three-digit VIN, because oh. they only made like a few thousand cars. And they never made them at the same time. So it's they... actually a decent topic, <laughs> pre-81 VINs, but just... 
I bet you wouldn't have brought it up had I not said anything. I didn't think about it until then. I thought about Delahaye Venn numbers. Oh, <laughs> you just said Venn number, dude. Uh, I'm sorry. Delahaye Venn. <laughs> All right. All right. So where were you on the North Korea Venn code? <laughs> did you finish that topic? Yes, I did. Okay, sounds I already good. finished that. <laughs> All right. Let's, since I'm just baffled. Uh, you leave me alone for three minutes. That wasn't even three minutes. It was a minute. The bathroom's close. It's it, was not... a, it was less than a minute, and I had fallen into pre-war. I can't be left to my own devices. I understand that. <laughs> All right. I'm jackknifing topics then. Okay, um, fine. <laughs> at the, at off, off microphone, maybe it was on microphone in episode 10, we talked about... Um, it, was, it was on microphone. Yeah. On microphone. Okay. Yes. We were going to talk about rare cars that aren't desirable. So low production or uncommon vehicles like the Acura SLX. Or the Infiniti M30. Yeah, or the Infiniti M30. Yes. <laughs> Cars, you know, they. I guess undesirable, they don't have to be, I, you shouldn't say undesirable, not no, sought I after. just said aren't, okay. Un, well, not aren't sought desirable after. is what Because undesirable sounds like like a Cadillac. Fine. Uh, not sought after. Yeah. Sought after, sorry. Rare and cheap. Right. <laughs> I'm going to change it in the notes. S-A-U-G-H-T, after. All right. Oh, it's O-O-U-U. Wow. You, you really did. Yep, I even said it. So, um, all right, so we have the Acura SLX. Yes, that, that that's I'm going to go back to the Isuzu Viacross. Very a, rare vehicle. Very does rare. not suck. No, it does not. And it's, Mike is showing me the Ford Mondeo. That is a very, very unrare car. And very sucky. No, um, it's fine. It's a Fusion. Yeah, exactly. It's, they made decent ones. Until their transmissions explode. Well, the duo shift or whatever. The, actually, you know what? Maybe it's a blessing in disguise that Ford's canning all those cars that have that dual shift. No, they're thing. not because they're going to be in the crossovers oh, as well. Oh, you're right. Never the, mind. Front-wheel drive escape. It's, it's all bad. If you buy a front-wheel drive escape, you should jump off a bridge. If you buy um, a crossover, you should jump anyway, off a bridge. Love um, Ryan. So anyway. Talk. Uh, microphone. More, more rare cars that are not necessarily desired sought after mm-hmm. but that really should be uh i'm again gonna have to go with the infinity m30 or a first generation maxima those are really uncommon super super the super rare. no before that oh really the original okay. one was mm-hmm. a four-door sedan based off a 280zx it was okay. rear-wheel drive uh some you, in export markets you can get it in and with a turbo and they came with a manual transmission. That's pretty cool. So you can get a straight six that, turbo manual sedan. Awesome. Definitely 80s. Yeah. Or they were turbocharging everything just for funsies. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're turbocharging everything today, to too. be able to make 200 horsepower. Well, <laughs> 200 horsepower is a 180 horsepower. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So beyond the Viacross, I mean, the SLX is an obvious choice. I'm trying to just rack my brain on this kind of thing. Well, there's a, there's a lot of I know, like, but like weird European cars. Well, um, I know, like, the Peugeot 505, like, really uncommon here, yeah. but it's actually very a really cheap, good, reliable cheap. car for the most um, part. A Subaru XT6. Oh, God. Which was all-wheel drive. I'd say those are fairly Ma- sought after. It was the only manual six-cylinder Subaru you could, you've ever been able to buy. Ever. There's never That's been another one. a crying shame. Um, and it was actually a very good car, because it made a 150 horsepower. Mm-hmm. It weighed... Uh, 2,200 pounds. Oh, yeah. Like, it was, it was light. Back then, it was so light. It, it was light. Made... It had six cylinders, so you had, a, you had torque it all the time. Really it sounded amazing because it, it literally, it sounded... It's a it, flat six. It was a flat six with unequal length uh, exhaust manifolds yes. going. But they were unequal it's length. A Porsche. The, the, the headers were unequal length, but then they right. went to an equal length collector. 
So it was... So the banks were equal length the, to the, the collector, but they weren't equal length from the ports to, for, to the collector. Yeah, so okay. it kind of sounded like a Porsche. It was, it was really, yeah, really cool sounding. Um, I was going to say, like... You the, can get the best one in the world for six grand. Probably get it from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, that's actually the best one I've ever seen was from the Pacific Northwest. I was going <laughs> to say, like, the, the Fiat X19. That's, that's another car. very Not rare, sought after. Very unsought after car. Yeah, I feel like that might change. Um, you know what I'm going to say? A lot of those weird coach-built 80s cars. Do you have an example? Like the Koenig Mercedes SLs and oh, stuff. Oh, man. Those ones? Yeah, that's true. You can pick one of those up cheap if you like, find it. Relatively cheap. Like, when you think about the fact that those were twice the price of, like, a Countach when they were new. Oh, my God. And they drove really well for what that's they were. they were still a Mercedes, yeah. But they were, they were <laughs> very, very cheap. And but you know often, what they have? Hmm. Mechanical fuel injection. Yeah, but I mean, I was just using it as an example because you also had, they were also making BMWs with those as well. Nope. Yeah, there was. Oh, the, the Koenig stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the Koenig and. Yeah, those had Bosch Motronics, yeah. so you're doing yeah. better there. So, like, they, they did have BMWs. Koenig's just one example. There were so many coach builders in the 80s that just made cocaine cars. Oh, jeez. Um, Including actual manufacturers that also made cocaine cars. Yes, that's true. <laughs> 80s um, was just the decade where everyone was, uh, you know, pulling out their. Uh, makeup mirrors and doing lines of coke out. The, the them, 80s, so. I think, was the closest thing to the 1950s we will ever have. At least it's not pre-42. But and that's what I mean. Like, where you really had people just kind of going wild. They'd finally figure out how to work with the safety regulations. And people in, in an economy where people were trying to show off. Right. So that was a really cool era for cars. Um, so, yeah, hmm. there's just a lot of weird 80s cars that people in, have forgotten about. I'm trying to think in my own brands like the the r107 slc yes. really not desirable yes but that's the one with the racing pedigree the normal sl that right. had zero racing pedigree right. and the mercedes slc had one i mean I, I get it i think they're interesting cars but if i was going to buy a 107 it would have to be a drop top yeah um, uh, well actually but I, the thing is if you have a family and you want an r107 get about? the slc you can't have the kids in the car like that right. actually makes a real sense. back seat yeah. um um like the bmw 840 I could say even the Mon- the Mondial. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's, cause, cause, I mean that's right. really not sought after, but it's not a bad. At the it's end of the car. day, four fifty six GT Ferrari. It's a good car. Like at the end of the day, you're getting oh, for sure it's a, a practical Ferrari for uh, Ferrari three hundred eight mm-hmm. for pennies on the dollar. Right. That is, Although that, right now it's like getting it for fifty cents on the dollar. Well, that's I mean, still, they're coming up. They're they are finally. Which speaking is a of, good thing. we did not ask Trig about the Mondial dilemma. I know we didn't. I mean, we I really feel like we should have. That I feel like a terrible. We're person. gonna have to call him back because he'd probably have some really weird diesel engine that he found out of a Tatra SUV or something. <laughs> 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 that he just really wants to put Air into cool something. Single overhead cam, aluminum V eight somehow. Yeah, exactly okay. like diesel. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, there's just so many, like, it, and that's, like, kind of how I collect cars. Like, yeah. all of my cars are relatively rare. I kind of agree. Or I feel like almost not everything. Not sought after. Because well. I have the... Um, oh, yeah, the Volvo 242 Bertone. Ooh, that is a good car there. The coupe? Yeah. Yes, the one that David Bowie had, too. Sexy. That was another one. It was a little lower. Um, it had those, it almost had, like, Borbit Type A type wheels on it from that the was factory. A, that was a cool car. Really cool. But, like, like my entire car collection, red like, block turbo. with... Um, but Jana's car, her Accord LXI, yeah. was, um, it, it did have rear drum brake, but there's a rear disc brake option. But it had manual transmission, fuel injected. It was a little bit larger than a Civic. Didn't weigh much more. So you could I. actually fit into it. It had working AC, and it had flip-up headlights. 
but their headlights go up, headlights go down, headlights but go the thing up, is, headlights go down. People don't buy the coupe all that much, right. like yeah, outside of California. Very, very like often. you don't see, you see the sedans left and right, but nobody right. ever has the coupe. You know what you rarely see also? Hmm. A third gen Camry coupe. Like a 91 to That 96. is a very rare car. Very rare. And they made V6 five not, ones of those. Not sought after and actually had a very stiff chassis because that's actually a home legation race car. I believe that. Because in the uh, mid-90s, we had the American Touring Car mm-hmm. Series. They actually made the Camry Coupe for that. And it had, a, it had a chassis that was about as stiff as a BMW at the time. I think it's a pretty interesting vehicle. I and, mean, back in high school when uh, our friend Jimmy yeah. bought that five-speed 3MZ, or sorry, 3VZFE-powered ES300. Yeah. Like 92 Lexus ES300 with a manual. I'm like, this is the coolest ES I have ever seen in my entire life. Oh, this is a great car. And I still stand by. I'm like, it was a cool car. Um, oh, another one, uh, the Camry Alltrack. Oh, yeah. The first gen, the second or, gen. Sorry, the second, the V20, the second generation Camry. That had the uh, the one or one VZFE in it. Nope, it was the it was the was it the five three FE five S FE the no 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 it was it was it was no it was yeah it was but it was it was a four cylinder right it was the three okay so the five SFE was the two point two so it'd be the three SFE SFE but three SGEs swap right into them unhealthily but this is the thing it came manual only. That's awesome. Until the last year that they produced it. You know what? I'm going to add another topic to our future thing. Vehicles that are awesome because they came manual only. Yes. The and show. The what? The original Taurus show. Initially. The, the, yes, the original Ford Taurus show was S-H-O. a great one. It yeah. only became the show in the most recent iteration. But yeah, yeah. It, it started off in the first at least model year as manual only. And then yeah, they did add. three model years, I think. Okay. Okay, yeah. It could be. But it was significant because, yeah, they couldn't get an automatic that could handle the Yamaha 3 liter. <laughs> And that car has a cool-looking intake manifold. I remember you bought one at a junkyard just like hanging on your wall. And then I lost my shop space, so I left it in there. <laughs> Whoops. That was a fun decision. Anyway, we should probably keep things cooking. we got about 10 minutes left. Yes, we do. Um, um, let's go to Guilty Love Modern Cars That Don't Suck. Is something I want to talk about that comes directly from our yep. uh, Cars That Again, episode 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a ton of these, but I got a couple. So, well, well, what, what, are, what, what do you want to start with? I mean, I FJ got a f- Cruiser with a six-speed. That's a great car. I want it in blue. I want it to be stock. I want those three windshield wipers popping around. I want that one GRFE four-liter. I want that six-speed. I'm, I'm actually going to go to Subaru here. I'm shocked. I know, right? That's not a guilty love. But that's just your no, the, regular the, love. The, the, no, this one is a guilty love because I hate crossovers. Mm. But Subaru Forester Premium okay. Manual. You so that's a non-turbo. Seats. It's non-turbo. Heated seats. Giant moonroof that goes all the way to the back okay. with a manual transmission. So all the show, none of the go. All You have all the stuff on it because the... I would, like a I would get car. that over the XT because it comes with the manual and the XT is turbocharged but is not manual. That's ridiculous. It's I have a really friend stupid. with an XT and it's an auto. I'm like, you are just yeah. What? They're very stupid, but um, that <sighs> that one's definitely at the very tip top of my list of cars that I really like. Okay, the FJ is not tip top my list though. What you, is uh, tip I think, top? I think you know. It's not sold here. What is it? It's made 2002 to 2003 in France. Oh, the Renault Aventime. Yeah, that's not a guilty pleasure. That's just a pleasure. That's- <laughs> You're the, right. The yeah, is, that's just an excellent car that I can't buy. The yet. thing is, if I was going to say pleasures, I would name almost any car with a manual transmission made in Japan or in Europe. Um, I would actually say um, a guilty pleasure, because yeah. I don't admit to really liking this, but I do. Okay. Is the 
not the the newest Avalon. Cause the newest Avalon is plug ugly. Yeah. But the newer Avalons, yeah, they really like those. When they went from the when the, um, with the three the bigger chassis to the Camry chassis, right? The, the ones that have the the three five in it, like the two thousand dude Avalon's had the three five for almost ten years. The two thousand fifteen Avalon, okay, because you have still a bigger car. It's a little bit bigger. Yeah. You get a bunch of really nice stuff. All the crap you find in a Lexus, yeah, but. You also have the 3.5, which is overpowered. God, that 2GR is a great engine. It's overpowered in a Sienna, which weighs as much as a small moon, and this one's actually light. Like, that car's insanely fast. Yeah, that 4,000-pound Sienna's honk with that engine. I re- <laughs> it, it's automatic only. Mm. I would not... That's a guilty look. That That would keep me from buying it, but I will appreciate it. Driving an automatic is like fucking your sister, man. Why would you do that? Well, if you got a hot sister, I, I can appreciate you doing that, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> wow, that didn't go the. <laughs> Today we learned too much about Ryan. Yeah, apparently Ryan is from Louisiana. Wait a minute, I was from Alabama. <laughs> but no, I'm Chris, so glad you don't have a sister. <laughs> no, I got it. I wouldn't, but that's also why oh. I don't. That's also why I don't own an Avalon. All right, we're now <laughs> leaving that topic because wow, everything got weird. <laughs> yeah, I want to briefly touch on a, another Patreon topic, even though we already touched on one this week. Um, this is one I was, I was rooting through, just trying to find one that's maybe a little bit shorter. Maybe that's misguided, just because it is kind of a in-depth topic. But I want to touch on it. Hey, one second before you do that. Sure. Base, 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 base model Jetta, two-liter, non-turbo, okay. manual. That's on my guilty pleasure list. I actually do really like that. I mean, it's, it's such a practical, emotionless decision, but... No, it's got a manual transmission. It actually is very reliable, and, like, it's all the stuff that you would love about... I just spotted a bunch of parking cones in the corner of this garage. You didn't know you had those? Nope. That would have been really helpful this morning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening, uh, Cars and Caves, it's a local car show, a pretty big one that happens today at the Motorplex where we record, and it was a little difficult to get all of our vehicles in here because other people were parking in front of the garage. So I was about to buy cones, now I don't have to. Wow, tangents. Um, Patreon topic. We're talking about oiling systems. You guys have heard, I'm sure, wet sump or dry sump, and there are aftermarkets like AccuSump that also kind of are in in between. And I just want to briefly touch on what those mean, what they are, and why they both exist. Um, so a wet sump is traditionally what you see on an everyday car. It's a, a steel or aluminum oil pan, usually holding between four and eight quarts on the bottom of an engine. It usually has a little piece of metal in it called a baffle, which is designed when you're cornering to keep the oil that is flowing down from the rotating assembly of the engine to keep it from basically flowing back up the side and keeping prime on the oil pump. Are there any normal cars that have a dry sump? Oh, yeah. Like what? Well, I guess define normal. Not a Corvette. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like, like Ferraris, like the hot Porsches have dry sumps. Like a hot uh, hatch or something. Like some, no. Something that would It's not cost effective. Okay. That's like what I was the, wondering. The 1M Continue on. that I've got was designed originally to have one, but they, went, they, they went with a twin pickup wet sump just because okay. it's way cheaper. But like my 355 is a dry sump in it. Okay. It's mainly for race cars. Yeah. <clears throat> um, anyway, so all of your oils typically just contained within this pan and it's just got a little tube inside of it that lifts up to a gear driven oil pump and that shoves pressurized oil through all of the bearings through cast galleys inside the block and cylinder head okay um the system's really good at being cheap it's really good at being easy to service and it's it really good at taking up not a lot of the, yeah space and it it is we've figured out wet sumps i mean manufacturers can make these things survive 
one and a half G in a lot of situations, yeah. countering forces, which is huge. Um, but a lot of manufacturers can't make systems survive 0.8 that are wet sump. So that's true. Where a dry sump differs is it has a much shallower pan on it. It okay. does still have oil in an oil pan. Most okay. people, it's it's not actually a dry sump. So what that'll let you do is it'll let you put a much sump. taller engine into a, a, a you know a shorter engine bay or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And what it does is when the oil drains out of the like the windage tray below the crankshaft okay. and all the oil that comes down from the cylinder head. What it does is it has an external belt-driven oil pump, typically. Not always. Sometimes it's contained within the engine, driven with a chain. But it pumps that scavenged oil out into a reservoir, and it kind of it, it pumps it into the bottom, and then it also has another tube at the bottom where it's the entire container is pressurized at the oil system pressure. So it okay. any, any gaps in that oil so coming it like back to it... So it force-feeds oil. Exactly. Okay. And it's... And you're feeding it consistently out of the bottom of this reservoir, so there's always pure oil coming out of it. There's never any okay. air pockets, which is a concern with the wet sump. Yeah. So you're, you're scavenging as much oil as you can coming out of the top of the engine in a corner, which is usually still most of it, but in a wet sump situation, you might get a couple of air cavitations, and air yeah. is bad for bearings. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so a wet sump is just giving you constant oil pressure. That's okay. really what it does. Um, it does take a lot more space because you need a canister basically in your car somewhere that can hold like 10 or 12 quarts of oil because mm -hmm. these things have to have a, just a shitload of oil. <laughs> yeah, no, they do. Yeah. And they usually have a big oil cooler and stuff like that. So once it, you know, it's driven out of that reservoir, it pumps back into the block and then it does its normal job like a wet sump car. So companies like AccuSump, what they'll do is they'll basically take off the pan yeah, and they'll try to reuse your pump if you can. Usually they can't. They'll put a belt-driven one on the outside. Mm -hmm. They'll take a custom pan where it scavenges off the side, and they'll pump it right back in to the standard galleys on the engine, which is either inside the pan or on the side of the block, typically, yeah. through the oil filter head. So that's it's basically just retrofitting a wet sump onto a... Or sorry, <laughs> retrofitting a dry sump onto a wet sump car. Okay. So the whole goal of that system is to have consistent oil pressure under high cornering forces. Right. There's no reason a typical daily driving car, sorry, daily driven car would need this. So the, I, I guess the, the question, the Patreon question is, yeah. do you do a dry sump or a wet sump? Do you... I would say, and again, it depends on your car. If you've got like a Porsche Boxster or something like that and you're going to track it, yeah, you want to wet some because the standard oiling system is terrible. But yeah. if you've got like a BMW E46 M3, wet some's fine. You know what? I'll, what uh, what I would say is, I'd say, how often can you not just like do a oil system with an extra quart in the oil pan? That sometimes works really well. Um, yeah. A lot of the earlier BMWs, that's really common. Like a lot of Toyotas will go a half quart over. Hondas will go a half quart over. Yeah. If you do a half quart over on a Porsche, it's bad. Because a really? flat six engine, it'll actually start like lifting the oil up to the point where it's hitting the backsides of the pistons. Oh, my God. And then that starts creating windage. <laughs> I guess that makes sense, yeah. Right. So, so the, it's, I'd say any like inline or V engine, you'd have a better time overfilling. As long as you're not hitting the bottom of the crank. Inline engine's probably the most, yeah. Probably. Yeah, I've always had good luck with a half quarter, whole quarter over. Well, if you have a nice, on. if you have a knife edged crank, you can, uh, you can, right, you can. It, it, won't, it won't make an issue on a windage. Yeah, mm -hmm. it won't, it won't create an issue because I know that. Um, I'm not sure about other manufacturers. I know Honda at least, like the, the the crank does dip itself into the oil, under cornering. Yeah, and it's supposed to, because if it's working at higher RPM, that helps 
cool everything down. No, uh, I understand. I mean, it's I mean, it's designed it's designed as so. such, and that's exactly that's where they come from. I mean, <laughs> it's no, a I mean, no, Honda, Honda pressure, is a small so engine manufacturer, and correct. that's actually, first and foremost. Yeah, that that's the beauty of Honda. That's why a lot of people like them. Sure, because they start out all of their large engines they produce the same as their small engines. Right. So they take the same theories, the same efficiency first, and then go larger from there. That's why Honda's never made a 7-liter V8. Because if Honda made a 7-liter V8, it'd be a 700-horsepower all-motor with, you know, a ridiculous redline. And it wouldn't fit into any vehicle they make. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Well, it would probably fit in everything because it'd probably take up, like, two square feet. They'd find a way to break physics. Coming but, <laughs> back to high cylinder count, low yeah, displacement exactly. engines. Um, but no, they would... Um, hmm. But I, I personally, I'm... I've never seen a need for any of my cars needing a No, you sound. really do have to be hardcore on a lot of cars to ever get you need, to the point on an oiling system where you're going to have a problem. Which, I, actually, I find very surprising that Porsche, like, the performance car manufacturer... Me too. Like, what are they... Volkswagen. I'll say the thing is, if you get, like, a GT3 with the Metzger engine, it's a dry sump. You Again... Can just, you can just go track the daylights out of a GT3 all day, and it's End fine. of the day, they're owned by VAG. Yeah, and that's the main and issue. VAG engineered the M96, which is the only Porsche engine that really has track oiling issues. Yep, exactly, and that's also why I would say the only Volkswagen I would own. Going back to our previous topic, was that base model two liter, the most base model Jetta <laughs> ever, because with the modern take on the that ADA. engine is hopefully they a direct. The it's a direct derivative. To the original 1974 like the water-cooled engine yeah. that they made. It is just you a look at it, you can tell. <laughs> if you look at it, I can bolt it It looks identical to a, an ABA. Yeah. It's eight valves. I thought it was. You had to it literally, me yeah. No, it's like an ABA, but it just has a plastic intake on it. That's it. Oh my goodness. I'm pretty sure you can probably. There's probably somebody. I'm sure you could. There's somebody out there but that yeah. has like an ABA intake manifold adapter kit or something to like make it more reliable or something. Because I know they're not going to do it for performance. <laughs> All right. But yeah, that just goes back to Volkswagen. Just. God, that's a car manufacturer. We need it. We really need to do a full episode on just Volkswagen. Just hating on VW Auto Group. Because well, I don't hate them. That's the thing. I don't. I really want to like them. I do. Because one of the best cars I've ever driven in my life. I'm not is, saying they make exclusively bad product, but I hate that company. No, I, I hate them too. But I don't want to hate them because one of the best cars I've ever driven was a very early 16 valve GTI. Okay. So. Well, yeah, that's one of their better engines. So. But anyway, I think um, you need to go. Yeah, I gotta um, go pick up some speakers for you the. Need, uh, you need to do that, and you need to have your colonoscopy. I need to go to a you wedding. You gotta go to a wedding, so I need to go to a wedding. Uh, Corey has an appointment uh, with the faptologist for, for castration, and uh, Same uh, thing. we all need to go and go about our business. Yep. Uh, thank so, you very much for listening, and we'll see you week after next. Yep. Yeah, mistaken. I'll we, throw this up on a Wednesday. I'll probably throw it up unless next we can sneak in something really quick well, yeah. sometime this week. We're gonna try our best. We'll see. We'll see. Either we way, do. I'll get you at least an episode a week. We'll try for the standard too. Exactly. But if not, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. And thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.